right, everyone, welcome back into another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Mike Wobshaw, joined by Giles and Chase. Easy to be a little melancholy after the Vikings go down in Motown on Sunday against the Detroit Lions, losing 34 to 23, falling to 10 and 3. It's a weird thing to say, everyone, that you fell to 10 and 3. That's still a good position to be in, but it doesn't feel good this week off of that loss and the way it happened against the Detroit Lions. We are glad you are all with us. Chase and Giles are here, fellas. Melancholy may be the word you're feeling here. It's not a victory Monday. It's a uh, we're, we're suffering through a defeat. And it's one of those, uh, talking to you guys before we started recording, it's one of those that like we're not going to draw a line through it and forget about it. Uh, we need to learn from it, but we want to digest this one and get away from it as fast as possible, right? Yeah, 100%. Uh, definitely not the Monday that I would have preferred. I'm a huge advocate that uh, Monday is the best day of the week. Uh, but this is definitely not the Monday that I was hoping for. Uh, but with that being said, if you would have talked to me at any point throughout this season, I would have, wouldn't have have projected that we would go 15-2. and two. Uh, So we had to lose somewhere in there sometime. Um, and I think if you look at the rest of our schedule, including the Lions game, I would have projected that the Lions game would have been the toughest, uh, sure. at least from an offensive perspective on their their side of the ball. So I don't know. We just gotta we just gotta keep moving on. It's tough, but uh, you know, such is life. How about yeah. you, Chase? Yeah, yeah, tough tough weekend for sure. But uh, wins and learns. You know, let's take a weekend from this game and and keep going. So yeah, yeah, it's um. You know, we're, we're going to get into sort of what what's the tenor out there in, in Vikings Nation right now, and, um, because I think there's a couple of common threads in any conversation that you sort of see or become a part of. Um, so we'll talk about that um, on the show today. We'll review that loss to the Lions. We'll discuss the blame game. Let's take a look around the NFC and see where the Vikings stand. And then we'll preview the game against the Indianapolis Colts and the rest of the Vikings schedule. Um, as we get into the final stretch of the season here. But this loss to the Lions, guys, it's um, it was 34-23 to 23, um, in a game that didn't start great for the Vikings. And we got we get accustomed to this, sort of falling behind or not looking great, and then, and then the ball bounces the Vikings' way, and there's a ferocious comeback, and they find a way to win a one-score game, right? So... Mm-hmm. Um, Oddly enough, or appropriately enough, this was this was not a one-score game uh, at the end of the day. So they remain <laughs> undefeated in one-score games. But this had that sort of that close game feel to it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, so they do come out on the wrong end of, of what um, was a very close game. So I think when you look at it high-level, guys, offensively, Justin Jefferson, 223 receiving yards, a regular season career or a regular season best for the franchise. Cousins, 31 of 41 for 425 and two touchdowns. Uh, Defensively, they struggled. Jared Goff, 330 yards. So this marks three straight weeks in which opposing quarterbacks have had gaudy passing numbers. But I think the thing that is not being talked about a lot is that the Lions ran the ball 30 times for 134 yards. Um, So it wasn't just Goff and the passing game. The Vikings had a hard time stopping the run which is maybe why they had a hard time stopping Goff, is because there was some balance there that detroit had uh, and the vikings conversely uh, rushed for only 22 yards so the detroit lions defense had a hard time with justin jefferson but had a pretty easy time with everything else and this is a group guys that has been much maligned all season just like the vikings defense i mean people trashing the lions defense all season and other than jefferson the lions found a way to contain some of the vikings weapons so mm-hmm. 
um, sort of high level, that's what happened. I think the other thing that maybe we need to touch on is uh, the omissions in this game uh, and that for the Minnesota Vikings. Three pretty key players, Harrison Smith, Christian Derrisson, and Garrett Bradbury. So um, I don't think that helped matters at all. In fact, I think it hurt quite a bit. Vikings dealing with some missing players during the week in practice on the defensive side. They go on the road and they don't, you know, except for Justin Jefferson and Cousins, they just don't look good and they never did look good. I think mm -hmm. last week we talked about how great Kevin O'Connell has been doing managing the game with some coaching decisions. And I know that there are some people who took exception to a couple of decisions that he made uh, during the course of the game. So lots of stuff there to pull apart and talk about. But I think high level, those were some of the some of the touch points that we should get to here in the in the show. Um, overall, though, I don't look at this loss as something that would make me jump off the Vikings bandwagon. I think no matter what side of the fence you were on, if you weren't a believer of the Vikings, this is like furthering your case and makes you feel mm -hmm. justified. If you are a believer of the Vikings, I think there are things that you can get around here. Um, and it won't surprise me if they bounce back and beat the Colts and get back on the winning track next week, and you're no worse for the wear. So uh, that's mm -hmm. sort of high level how I'm seeing it. Shay, or uh, Giles, how about you? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I think anytime you get a loss, uh, I think you have two factions of people that people that say, oh, that team's trash. Whether it was a close loss or a huge loss, people just write the team off. And yeah. I think there's other factions of people that look at it and say, why did we lose? And when you evaluate the reasons that you lost, is that thing or those things fixable? Can you bounce back the next week and continue trucking on? And I truly believe a lot of those things are fixable because when you really break down the primary reasons that we lost, starting with the defense, I think a lot of people were out the, this past week, half our defense was sick. Even the ones that played this week, they were out sick all week, right? Um, yep. And that has, a, that has an impact on your game plan. It's not an excuse, but it helps you understand why we weren't as fresh as we maybe would have been, especially going into a, a non-home game um, against a really good Lions offense. A lot of people are saying, oh, you lost to the Lions. The Lions are really great offensively. Yep. They have pro bowlers at pretty much every level on their offensive side of the ball. Say what you will about uh, Goff. I think he's a diet Kirk Cousins. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Yeah. But he's behind one of the best offensive lines in football, and that is one of the formulas that you win with with Garrett, Jared Goff. You give him a great offensive line, and he can at least be productive. Yep. You have uh, um, St. Brown. You have a whole room of receivers that are really great, and they have a new up-and-coming rookie receiver in Williams. They have a decent running back. Um, Obviously, we stole their tight end from them, but the point is they have a great offense. Uh, they've scored a lot of points throughout the this, this season. They have a great rushing game. They have great pass protection. They're a solid unit. So when you pair, we're on the road, you're against one of the best offensive uh, schemes in the league, and our defense wasn't necessarily up to par because we hadn't been practicing all week. Mm -hmm. That is not necessarily the greatest recipe for success. So that's not necessarily meant to say, oh, you get a pass, but I'm not concerned about it throughout the course of the rest of the season. We, it's not like, oh, we proved that they were bad, so it's bad. I think we went into there with not enough uh, um, elements to win. I mean, it's just calling a spade a spade. Yeah. And I think offensively, we did actually pretty well. When you look at the overall stats of the game, I mean, Justin Jefferson, like you mentioned, had one of the best games of his entire career, and more importantly, one of the best receiving games of the entire franchise. So we did very, very well. Cousins put up 400 yards. We did pretty well. The, the reason why I think we weren't able weren't able to be as successful as it maybe looked is that we have stumbled upon a dropping problem again, especially with TJ Hawkinson. Mm. There were some key third and fourth downs where we did not do well. Obviously, Dalvin Cook, he fumbled the ball there on that fourth down when we tried to run it. Uh, well, it, we didn't try to run it, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> it was a, yeah. uh, 
Yeah, it was kind of a trick play, which was unfortunate. But the point is, those things have an impact on the game and more importantly, the momentum of the game. Um, I truly believe at the end of the game, when Justin Jefferson was on that long touchdown, that it was a touchdown. I don't think he actually stepped out out, out of bounds. And that would have left another minute on the clock. And I think with the momentum of our fourth quarter, I actually truly believe we would have won the game, haven't we been given another uh, minute to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I truly believe that. Call me a, a home stand or not, but I, I truly uh, believe that would have given us the momentum to be able to go forward. Well, I mean, I would say the way the Vikings have won games this season, that's an understandable position, Giles. Yep. I mean, that, that that's how they've won games. It's just like mm-hmm. that. That's how they won the game against Detroit earlier in the season. Yep. You know, is they had just Detroit gave them too many opportunities and too much time at the end of the game, and they pulled out an improbable win. Um, you know, I, one of my favorite things to look at after a game fellas is the drive chart. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with the drive chart? Oh yeah. Yep. So when I look at it for the Vikings, what I don't like, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk defense here, um, for Mm -hmm. the Vikings. What I, what I don't like is I see drives that the lions are succeeding on where it's like two, three, and four plays which yep. means you're giving up explosive plays, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there's some coaches I've run across in the NFL, offensive coaches, um, who always would say or would be of the position like, you know what, time of possession is an overrated statistic. Like if it takes you 10 and 12 plays to score all the time, that's going to catch up with you in the NFL because <clears throat> they're getting paid on the other side too. They're mm-hmm. going to make plays. There's going to be a holding or some sort of penalty on you. There's going to be a sack or a turnover. I mean, you you need 10 plays to score all the time, mm-hmm. and you're going to run into some problems. Yep. Of course, it's great if you can grind out a long possession and score, especially if you're nursing a lead or it's late in the game, right? That's awesome. But by and large, you want to be able to, to strike and be explosive. Okay, yeah. so I, I see the Vikings defense giving that up. You know, there's a one-play touchdown drive in that game, obviously. I think there was a two- or three-play touchdown drive as well that they gave up. So that's not great. But I also see long drives, like sustained drives that the Vikings give up. And I would have the appetite to to allow one of those two things. Like, yeah, you know what? We have a really good defense. Every now and then we give up these explosive plays and teams score on us. But you know what? We're pretty good other than that. But Mm -hmm. the Vikings give, give up both. Not just mm-hmm. in this game, like for the season they have. Yep. They got to fix that. You got to be good at something. You got to be able to hang your hat on something on defense. If you can't cover, you got to be able to rush the passer. If you mm-hmm. can't rush the passer, you got to be able to cover. If you can't stop the pass, at least be able to stop the run. The Vikings couldn't do any any of that at any time yesterday. Nope. And that, I think, looking ahead is a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I could not agree more. And I think they realized that throughout the course of the game. I don't know if you noticed, but they really tried to leverage Brian Asamoah a lot more effectively yeah. uh, throughout the course of the game. And I think that seemed like a reactionary move, not a proactive move. And the fact that they didn't go into the game thinking we're going to use Brian Asamoah a lot, because yeah. to be clear, I like Brian Asamoah a lot. I think he's a fast linebacker. I think he has a, a great, bright future with the Vikings. Uh, however, I see him as a player that... Uh, has not developed the right instincts yet. So he's mm-hmm. fast and wrong a lot uh, versus, yeah. Yeah. you know, Eric Kendricks might be slow and right. He has good instincts, but he's not as fast as Brian Asamoah. I get it. And that yeah. is a, yeah. a scenario where if you're fast and wrong, although you are fast, you are going to give up explosive plays, right? And I think yeah. 
they noticed that Jordan Hicks, for example, great player, great tackler specifically, um, but not very fast. He's a slow linebacker. And they were realizing we were getting beat, so we were trying to do something differently, and we really couldn't piece it together. So we were scrambling to try different things, and none of those things seemed to click. Yep. Offensively, would be curious, Giles, to see how the PFF grades um, turn out. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have an appreciation for what you're saying about the offense, and, and maybe their performance was better um, than it looked in some areas, but you know, some things I didn't, I didn't think they were good on third downs. Um, they were four of 10 and it wasn't good there. And the, the inability to run the ball. And I, I want to measure my criticism of O'Connell as a play caller and the run game. I mean, not even really calling runs. So why is that? Does he know it's not going to work, you know, because, because mm-hmm. he's at practice and he's like, we can't block this in practice. We're never going to block it in a game. So it doesn't yeah. call it. Is it the whole like eating your vegetables um, thing that I'm like, like he knows he should do it, but no one likes to eat their vegetables. So he doesn't do it. I, I don't yeah. know what it is, but like, you know, we did our, our running back rankings last week and you know, I really, it took me, I really thought about it hard. I'm like, where am I going to put Dalvin on, on this? Because all things being equal, like put everyone behind the Dallas Cowboys offensive line from 1994 like, mm-hmm. who, who do you want? And that's sort yep. of how I thought about it. And that's yep. why I had Dalvin as high as I had it. Yep. And even people, you know, who follow me, who are Vikings fans were like, Dalvin at number two, like, what, what are you, I'll have whatever you're having, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, really, like at the end of the day, I think he's a special player. Yeah. And I've said to you guys, I went to give him that contract extension and paid him that money. And it's not because I don't like him or I don't think he's good. It's the, it's the position he plays. I just wouldn't pay that position. Yep. But again, all things being equal, he's a special player. The ball's in his hands in space. Mm-hmm. I, I really like him a lot. Yep. But they don't even call runs. Yep. So I think I, you I really hit on about. it. I think you really hit on it because I think uh, all things being equal, putting them behind the 94 Cowboys offensive line, yeah. he is the best. And I think going into this game, half our offensive line was out. And although I never thought I'd say this, we really miss Garrett, Garrett Bradbury. <laughs> like, yes. he's been doing significantly better this year. And the fact that I would give him a look at giving him a second contract is Mm -hmm. a huge praise to the offensive line group, uh, the coach and Kevin O'Connell and everyone involved that we were able to get more out of him. But the point he was out and uh, Christian Derrissaw was out. Half our offensive line was out, especially leaning towards that left side, which is historically our big strength when it comes to run. And respectfully, Blake Brandel is not a great run blocker. And I think that reflected in our play calling. I think Kevin O'Connell knew oh, that's not going to be successful. And I think you've talked about this previously on other shows is that it's not necessarily the running uh, at face value. It's the perception that we're going to run and we're willing to run whether it works or not to be able to open up the playbook and, and have the other team try to prepare for the run. And yeah. I think Kevin O'Connell missed on that going into this game. Yep. I, I think you're right. And you, you just said something that really struck a chord with me and that is, just even like preparing for the run, like mm-hmm. make them prepare for a lot of different types of runs. Mm-hmm. I think um, a big a big part of this offensive scheme mm-hmm. that Kevin O'Connell runs, that Sean McVay runs, and that any iteration and the mothership of this offense runs is bootleg mm-hmm. and and quarterback rollout and bootleg mm-hmm. and run action is making them respect the run is a huge part of that. And you don't have to be great at running it. You just have to be willing to actually run it Mm -hmm. so that it's like, even if you've got, you know, cinder blocks tied to your feet, 
you know, if, if you don't defend, even try to defend it, that guy with the cinder blocks tied to his feet is going to get four yards. So you got to yeah. be there to defend it. Yeah. And I don't even know if you need to be there to defend the run against the Vikings anymore, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's going to hurt their ability, not just the, the play action pass seven step drop throw deep game. That's going to hurt their rollout game. And, and yeah. the, yeah. Those, those quarterback bootlegs where, where you're naked, the quarterback's naked on a boot and a tight end pops out there and it's an, like an easy 11 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's that sucks up a corner into the flat that lets you hit a sail route to Thielen or Jefferson later in yep. the game. Yep. I mean, you don't even have to defend that against the Vikings, and that's a problem. Oh, a huge problem. But that is something to be said about the optimism for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I think teams may be even more scared of Christian Derrissaw from a run game standpoint than Dalvin Cook. And that's yeah. not a disrespect to Dalvin Cook. I mean that as a compliment to Christian Derrissaw. He is a phenomenal run blocker. And uh, Ezra Cleland, I think he's been doing much better in a pass protection standpoint. He's at a, a great above average guard, but he mm-hmm. is a phenomenal run blocker as well. So when you have those two premier run blockers on the left side, and then you add in Garrett Bradbury, who is a great reach blocker from a run perspective, your mm-hmm. entire left unit or left side of the, the offensive line unit is incredible and i think the other team gets scared of that where they have to prepare for that even more effectively so we do have a premier running back don't get me wrong but i think once we get uh garrett bradbury and christian derisaw back next week i think that will immediately force the rest of the the uh, the teams that we have to play throughout the rest of the season respect our run game because our offensive line is so elite on the left side yeah you know another um another strand of optimism here is you know I'd say you're not looking to be the fifth best rushing offense in the NFL. You're not looking for, you know, Hawkinson and Thielen and Osborne to jump out of their skin and be great for you. Like Mm -hmm. it's okay that you are so reliant on Jefferson. I'm Mm -hmm. fine with that, you know, because no one stopped it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) like, like you, someone can be like, Oh, they got Jefferson just throw it up to him again. Well, like, yeah, that's what that's what they're gonna do. I mean, you yeah. know, and and why be ashamed of that? I mean, yeah. strike while the iron's hot with this cat, mm-hmm. and keep doing it. You know, but yeah. but it can't it can't be literally the only thing, and yeah. and and really it was yesterday. It really was, and the result of that is awesome graphics that you can put on the screen about mm-hmm. you know the best single game performance of all time, and no one's had more yards through their first three seasons, and. Like that, these are great graphics to throw up on the screen, but they don't mm-hmm. win you playoff games. I mean, you need more than more than that too. You Correct. know, so it's um, part of the process. It, yeah. So um, there are some things for the Vikings, I think, to to shore up here uh, before they play the Colts and before they get through the rest of the of their schedule. But um, you know, I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater water here. Um, you you want to win the losses, as they say. You know, learn from these things and get better because of them. Um, but I wouldn't let it, let, let it change who you are. Um, game management wise, couple of, couple of things to bring up the two point conversion. Let's talk about that. The play call on fourth down early in the game. Let's talk about that. And then let's Mm -hmm. talk about the, like the jump pass that they were trying to pull off with Dalvin cook. Let's talk about that. Those are the three game management things I want to talk about. Am I missing any before we jump into the first one? I think that was pretty much it. Wasn't it? I think so because uh, the only one, oh, the other one I would bring up is not challenging the uh, non-touchdown by Justin Jefferson, but I don't believe that was a uh, a challengeable play. Right. If I remember, it's correctly. not so, because yeah, yeah, exactly right because they blow yeah. the play dead there. So yeah, I mean that that was that so was too bad. I, I want to you know l- l- let's actually let's let's talk about that one first. 
like um the referees i mean this i'm being serious they're they're pretty dang good all things being said mm-hmm. uh, these guys are good yep they do make mistakes though and i want to know what the guy like if you don't see it don't call it and i know that sounds very simple yep but like did you see did you think you saw because like you don't think you saw someone step out of bounds i don't i don't think i, I think what it is is like oh my gosh there's so many bodies over there and he was so close to the line and they stopped trying to tackle him he must have been out yep that's what i think the you think you know and yep. so then you just blow it dead and it's you like assume, yeah. you didn't actually see his foot out of bounds yep. you saw a train wreck on the sidelines and then yep. you saw the lions stop pursuing him yep. so you deduced that he went out of bounds when you referee, you don't deduce, nope. you know, you call what you see. Correct. And I think to your point, Giles, if that's how you treat it as a referee, then the Lions can challenge it and mm-hmm. say, wait a second, that guy stepped out of bounds. You got to go back and look at that because that you can challenge. Correct. Yep. And Much better route. Yeah. You know, yep, and to same, providing a more fair football game. Yeah. Same thing on turnovers and mm-hmm. touchdowns where those plays are automatically reviewed. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at a play that resulted in a touchdown or has a high probability to let that play go. Yep. As long as it's not putting anyone in harm's way, let that Mm -hmm. play go so it can be reviewed. You know, and I think that's that's what didn't happen on that play. Anyway. um, So the 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 decision to go for it on fourth down on the first drive of the game and then the play call. Yep. I, I'm not going to rail against him for that. The only thing I don't love is this whole concept of you need one yard and you automatically like just smash it up, like just get everyone in a tight area and let's just smash it for like, what about just like you're averaging six yards a play and all your other plays yep. just run a play like that. Yep. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I could not agree yeah. more. I, I was totally for going forward on fourth down. Uh, the group that I was with, they were like, oh, no, you don't go for it there. And I said, considering the Vikings uh, offensive ability moving forward and considering what the Lions offensive ability is moving forward, I think we need to score points here. We cannot afford to punt this ball. We need to score points. So I was totally for them going forward on fourth down. But I completely agree. I don't agree with the play call. Um, one, because we were averaging six yards a play, but also you hadn't established the run and its effectiveness there. Uh, more importantly, half your offensive line is out, especially on the left side. Like that's yeah. not a great recipe for success. I would have yeah. much rather them done um, like a toss to uh, KJ Osborne or something like they've done other fourth downs or something. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the point is much better play calls out there for them to have done in that situation. I, I think so too. I, I think when you get into you know, moments like that where it's fourth and one midfield or fourth and one in your on your own side, a two point mm-hmm. conversion that you really need. Yeah, these are like your best plays. Like, yep. I think you have on a, pl- a play sheet, you, mm-hmm. you know, you have like my favorite plays. Yeah, I, th- I think you dig into that part of your play sheet in that situation. have to have it. Yeah, yep. not the like Dalvin off tackle. Correct. Uh, yep. No, you know, yep. jet sweep. Um, something, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think there would have been better hindsight's always 2020, 20, but that's what, yep. but truly that's what I would have been. If I was like, you know, offensive consultant guy for the Vikings and I had a yep. headset on during the game, that's what I'd be saying to Kevin, like, yep. you know, go to, go to gotta have it play two C like yep. not Dalvin cook yep. left tackle. You know? Yep. 
Furthermore, on that play, I'd heard an analysis that there was uh, uh, another player that was left ungapped. Uh, so, like, essentially, like, there weren't, weren't enough gaps. So, like, they knew that going into the play, uh, at least from, at least if you're, if you're actually truly reading the field there, um, I would have much rather had them called the play dead and, like, say, you know what, we're going to run it down, we're going to take a, uh, a delay of game, and then we're going to uh, kick a field goal, or saying, you know what, that wasn't going to work, let's change up the play on the fly. But yeah. seemingly they just let the play run and thought they could force it because really it was um, uh, their their cornerback there. Um, uh, Akuda. Akuda. He was yeah. the one that was left unblocked. And I'm like, really? Like, uh, you were really trusting Dalvin Cook to be able to go for it and get through Akuda, and he couldn't. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, I would have preferred that they would have handled it differently. But, you know, like you said, hindsight's 2020. I think the, the optimistic piece to look at this is that there were like five big plays in this game that had they gone the other way, we would have won. It's not like our process yeah. was that bad. I mean, definitely got couldn't got, could have got better, but um, I don't know. Yep. So <clears throat> I think another one of those plays was the the jump pass that they were going to try with Dalvin, right? Yeah. And so we need to be careful not to talk out of both sides of our mouth here because we're like, hey, it's fourth and one early in the game, got to have it. Like, don't do some plain boring play. Well, here yep. here they tried a running back jump pass right yep. on the goal line. So yep. that's cool that you tried something different. Probably mm-hmm. an unscouted play. I, I'm. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't remember them doing that. Nope. Okay. So yep. that that's a look that the Lions had not seen. Um, I just you know the execution obviously wasn't right. So I don't. When I watched it, it the guy I don't remember who it was. Was it Hawkinson who was open? Someone was in the so. end zone. Yep. Yep. I yep. should have thrown it. So I don't know yep. what happened. Could I think the tell? offensive line gave up. Uh, so apparently they had practiced that play a ton throughout the week. Like they went into that game knowing they wanted to play that play uh, at a certain point play. throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, and the offensive line gave up. And then that's where the ball got swatted away. And Cook definitely recognized after the game that, hey, I should have taken better care of the ball. Like no hand, yeah. hands down, he he fumbled that literally and figuratively. Um, but I think if you were to compare that to the fourth down with um, uh, uh uh, TJ or uh, to, to Adam Thielen and if you like that play oh, yeah. that he got a touchdown I think you have yeah. to treat that same logic to that play as well like if that would have worked they would have been praised right exactly. so I, I love the play call I just think maybe I mean ultimately it all fell apart but I think maybe that's a game uh, a, a call that maybe you you do with a better offensive line uh, you know <laughs> once your your, your yeah. guys are back um, just unfortunate all the way around but uh, nine times out of ten I think that may have worked considering yeah. how much they have played uh, you know uh, prepared for it so you're right. And, you know, I've been around practices and seen it like mm-hmm. same with the Lions fake punt. Yeah. So those are plays that they in my in my experience with this sort of thing. Those are calls. Those are plays that you call mm-hmm. when you see a certain look and only when you get a certain look from the other team. So mm-hmm. it's like you've got this play in your in your play call sheet for the week. Yep. That you can run, yep. and you know you are going to run it if you get a certain look or you're in a certain situation. And when yep. you see that, you audible to it, yep. and you do it, and everyone yep. knows it. There's a code word for it or code words for it. Yep. I guarantee that's what happened with the Lions fake punt. It's not one of those deals where you're like, you know what, we're going to fake punt it this week. For sure, we're going to do it, and this is the play we're going to run. Yep. And you might not even know it when you initially call the play for that punt, but yep. everyone knows if you get a certain alignment yep. and you're at a certain spot in the field with a, a, di- a certain distance, you're, yep. you're, you're you know, you're going to call Yellowstone, Yellowstone, mm-hmm. Yellowstone, Yellowstone. And everyone knows that this yep. fake is on or this jump pass is on. Yep. Yep. 
So I'm guessing they had that throughout the course of the week. They got a look they liked, and mm-hmm. I bet you they did it four or five times, and Dalvin never screwed it up one time. You know, so like yep. as a coach, you're expecting this to be executed. You know, yep. but that that's the whole thing. Everyone's got a plan until you get hit in the face, right? Then the ball gets snapped and someone gets beat on a swim move or a rip move, and now there's a fumble. So that was an yep. unfortunate turn of events, but I didn't hate the idea. I liked the yep. idea. It just wasn't executed well. So, In fact, I would actually encourage them to run more plays like that if they have them in their arsenal because at the end of the day, you need to present new looks and new new things for game, uh, uh, other teams to plan against. And mm-hmm. if there's a lot of different mechanisms in which you can get the ball forward, so to speak, uh, the more that the team, the other team is going to have to figure out, how do I plan for that? Like, I'm preparing for the yeah. run. You're going to suck up all the linebackers, and all of a sudden, Dalvin Cook throws it into the end zone. Like, that's yeah. difficult to plan against. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, an extreme example. I mean, the, Tim Tebow did that so much at the University of Florida. He was such a great running threat. You know, that he would stutter step and stop and throw a jump pass like that. It works so many times because everyone, like you said, guys are sucking up to stop him, you know? So, yeah. And furthermore, last thing on that, I really have expected the Vikings to start pulling up plays like that now that we're getting towards the end of the season. Cause I'm like, I think Kevin O'Connell is too smart not to hold on to some really exotic type plays that he really believes that will help us get us the distance. And now I think those things are starting to come out of the woodworks. Yep. No, I think you're right. And they've got, you know, they've got the leeway to do it. I mean, they're 10 and three, um, you know, and they've got so many other ways to score. They can move the ball so easily. Yeah, for sure. They should, they should keep doing stuff like that. And again, it gives the other team more things to lose sleep over. Right. Mm-hmm. So and more things to think about, Oh, really? You're going to call pressure here. Hey, we know cousins is awful when he's pressured. You're going to dial up a blitz. Well, they might, they might do a running back jump pass on you, you know, or yep. something like that. Some weird mm-hmm. jailbreak screen on you. If they have that in the back of their mind, they might not do the thing that you don't want them to do. Yeah. So, um, I got into a little Twitter discussion with people on the two point conversion thing, which I love. And that's, that's, that's why you're, that's why I'm in the space. That's why I I'm like, you know what? I'm going to tweet something about this defend this two point conversion attempt. Cause I know it will generate a fun discussion. Yeah. And Um, I just think it's, I think mathematically it's the right thing to do. I love it. When, when you score to go down eight, I think you go for two. In fact, I would, I would argue like, like if we were on a coaching staff guys and it was like, Mm -hmm. it's the off season, like we're in OTAs Mm -hmm. and we're sort of like constructing our plan for the team for the year. And who are we going to be? And what's our program? Yep. Like I want to go for two a lot. In fact, Mike Tomlin did this a few years ago where the first touchdown of the game, he would go for two. You know, and I love it because I don't trust kickers and the, the flaw in a big flaw in the thinking, the old school mentality of like, it's too early to go for two. Don't do it. Or don't go for two until you need to. Mm-hmm. The f- one flaw in that is you are assuming that you are going to make the extra point. Mm-hmm. And that is not a fair assumption anymore. No, especially Not just in for the Vikings, but especially Vikings. for the Vikings. Right. <laughs> like that has to factor into your your probability calculations going on in your head. Everyone's yep. like, just take the point. Just take the point. They're not giving you a point. You have to make that. It's a Correct. it's a 33-yard field goal, man. And so yep. I think the the math would say two-point conversion probability of success is over 50%. So if you do it twice consistently, you should come out even at worst. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and yep. so I like that. Um, I thought that was the right play there, but I'm curious what your guys' viewpoints are on it. And if you thought 
the game flow there superseded the math or the probability at that point. Honestly, I'm an advocate that uh, two-point conversions, like you mentioned, are the best ways to go. Uh, but I think also uh, the Vikings have a, a, a significantly higher fourth down conversion rate uh, than most teams in the league. I don't have it in front of me, but they're towards the top of the league in fourth down conversion rate. Yeah. Uh, so I think you absolutely go for it there, especially when you think about momentum. I think Kevin O'Connell's a big believer in the, the cultural element on the team, and that projects confidence that our team can score. We've had a few you know, uh, uh, down quarters here where we haven't been as productive as we prefer, but I, I believe in you. Let's go do it. Right. Yeah. Um, obviously it didn't work. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I'm for it every time. Yeah. How about you, Chase? Yeah. Um, obviously, like you guys said, um, hindsight's 2020, so it's going to be really easy for me to say, but I just don't feel like we had any momentum. Um, I, I feel like that was that was kind of a, a putting it all on the line moment. Um, and we did that in a time where we just didn't have a lot going for us. Um, I would have waited until we, we got cooking a little bit. Maybe the defense gets a stop and then we march down the field again or something. Um, I just think that a two point conversion, they were still winning the momentum battle um, mm-hmm. and a stop meant a lot more to them than the two points meant to us. So, yeah. And if, if we're not on the team and in the locker room or on the sidelines, we don't know what that felt like for Detroit. So you might be right, Chase, that that might have been after the letdown of giving up a touchdown, that might have been an upper for them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't really know. But I just look at it from a probability of winning the game standpoint, like over a thousand quarters, you know, like that you have a better chance of winning if you go for two when you're down by eight. Uh when when you when you're down fourteen and you score six uh, a touchdown for six you go for two and if you do that more times than not you're going to come out ahead for the reasons i've already stated so mm-hmm. but all of the probability and the math and all that is not is not the only factor that you need to weigh mm-hmm. um you know you need to weigh game flow and injuries and who's in and who's available and who's not and all all of those things right so i, I mean i remember an overtime game when the vikings played at the gopher stadium where the Vikings were playing the St. Louis Rams and Zim chose what end of the field to defend after winning the coin toss in overtime because it was a blustery, cold, windy, awful day. And no one could move the ball. And Zim had a feeling it was going to come down to a field goal to win the game. And he wanted to be kicking with the wind. So, Mm -hmm. like, that's an exception, though. Like, so you've got things that you need to weigh. Um, um, But I think... More times than not, when you're down 14, you score a touchdown, I think you go for two because you know if you make it, the next time you score, a PAT wins the game. If yep. you don't make it, you just go for two again, and you're right yep. back you know, where you started. You came out even. So I thought it was an, yep. it's an interesting discussion for football fans to have. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it gets like pretty heated and personal, and I just stay away from that part of it because <laughs> it's like, man, we're just talking about like two-point conversions here. We yeah, don't need X's to, and O's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's a fun thing to do on social, uh, yeah. interact and exchange ideas with fans, you know? So. Yep. And I think it's also important to note that throughout this course of the season, Kevin O'Connell has been phenomenal at uh, calling plays and yeah. game time management. So mm-hmm. although you may disagree with some of the decisions that happened uh, this past week, you have to know that he had a reason for doing those things. You can disagree with the reason, but like, it's not like he's like, oh, we should just do this willy nilly. He has proven that he has been very strategic in pretty much every facet of the game. So he had a reason. 
period. Um, Now, sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, football is a game of statistics. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You hope that more times than not, it'll work. But the point is, it doesn't always work out for you every single time, even for a Bill Belichick, right? Um, The point is, it's not like he was an idiot for making some of those decisions. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we look around at the NFC and talk about the Colts, guys, uh, let's 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 talk defense a little bit here because um, I want to get some thoughts here from you all on on Ed Donatel, the scheme, O'Connell's comments about maybe we need to be more aggressive and get more pressure. You know, I I took a semi like I don't know Ed Donatel. I've never met him. I've heard about him. I've heard nothing but great things about him throughout my career when I was in the league. And then mm-hmm. from some of my friends with the Vikings right now, just on who he is, the type of guy he is, everyone likes him. So mm-hmm. that makes me a little hesitant to be too critical of him. Plus what I truly firmly believe is that all scheme is designed to succeed and that doesn't absolve coaches from blame all the time. But but I truly think the execution is not there for, for the players. So I, I'm a little more like, hey, let's kind of blame the players a little bit here. They're not playing great. Um, more than I am like, uh, fire Donatel, go to the back to the 4-3 and blitz every play. Like, yep. I, we got to be somewhere in the middle there. Yep, 100%. And I think okay. it's also important to note that when you hire a coach, you're not just hiring them to coach a single season, right? I mean, I, I, correct me if you would disagree, but I think you're hiring for them to say, hey, like if this works, you're here for as long yes. as you can, right? Yes. And let's yeah. build a macro level scheme that we can use for seasons in and out, right? Yeah. Um, you don't necessarily build a scheme just for one one season saying, all right, well, after the season, then we're gonna switch, right? Agreed. And I Agreed. think yeah. Donatel comes into the building with a three, four mentality. Now, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season, um, having known that we were gonna maintain a lot of our personnel, um, that we have historically had. Uh, a lot of them have spent their entire careers in 4-3 defenses, right? So I think at face value, you know, it's gonna take a hot second for them to rewire their brains to operate in a 3-4 versus a 4-3. Yeah. Um, so that that's, it's, it's kind of a, a nuanced conversation because you could look at that and say, well, the scheme is the issue because our players are 4-3 guys, but really that's an executional issue. They're not, they're not getting up to speed as fast as they need to. So it's not like the scheme is bad, nor is the, the defensive coordinator that implemented the scheme. It's just our players have been 4-3 players for a really long time. So I think yeah. there's a, a combination of they're not playing well and they're not learning it as fast as we'd prefer. Um, now, I do think, you know, when you go to specific positions, I think some of our players are better fit, like Daniil Hunter, for example. I think he is a hand-in-the-dirt kind of guy, and mm-hmm. I think his pressures have reflected that this season. Yep. I think he's a phenomenal pass, uh, uh, rusher. pass rusher, yep. but there's times that he's being put back into coverage, and I don't, respectfully, I don't think that's the best use of him, but that is the scheme, right? That is how you use a player like that in that scheme. Now, I don't think, like I said before, I don't think you come in and say, well, but because we have Daniil Hunter, we need to run a 4-3, when really they're trying to shift the entire philosophy of this team season in and season out to a 3-4. So I think it's a learning curve that comes into play. So it's kind of a an and both. I think it is a schematic issue when it correlates to our players, but I think you're, you're absolutely correct in the fact that this scheme isn't a bad scheme. It's just there's no. kind of a mismatch with the players that we have right now, but I think there's a chance that there's a lot of players that are currently on our defense that are not on our defense next year. For sure. You're, you're totally right about that, Giles. I think that's 100% true. That doesn't mean, though, that they can't find ways to get better and play well defensively right now. And, Correct. And they yep. need to do that. But you're, yep. you're right. And, like, I – 
I get the idea that you want to be versatile and unpredictable and not do the same thing all the time. But like going back to the don't feel bad about targeting Justin Jefferson 11 times in the game. Like Mm -hmm. that's they can't stop that. So you need to do that. I'd say that about Daniil. Mm-hmm. rush him every time i mean yep. he, he should make be him rushing. a defensive end if you need to in the three yeah. four scheme which is a defensive tackle ish you know put him inside <laughs> if that's the need yes rush daniel it, yep. it, it's like i i remember the, the whole like in the early 2000s the randy ratio where they were mm-hmm. like you know what we're going to moss a little too much we gotta you know the ratio's got to be a, this it's like the defense is going like okay great thank you or like mm-hmm. i remember the vikings they get down by the goal line. It's like we gotta, you know, we gotta be physical and hard nose and smash it in there. We they take Carter and Moss off the field down by the goal line. I mean, the mm-hmm. defense is like, thank you, thank you for doing that. Like you, yep. you're helping us out, you know. And mm-hmm. that's what I think you're doing by trying to like be versatile and and drop Daniel and like no, just yep. I mean, he's not the player to, for that. You need to stress out the offensive tackle as much as you can. Yeah. And even if he knows Daniel is coming, he doesn't know if he's going inside or outside, if he's bull yep. rushing or if he's yep. swimming or what, what he's doing, or if he's yep. stunting, you don't know. Yep. I mean, yep. so, yeah, he's a freight train. Let him move forward, not backwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Yep. And you know, easy to say in our chairs, but um, I, I think um, the, the, the whole, like just over the top criticism of the scheme and the coaching on defense got me a little bit after the, after the game. Um, yeah. I'm like, like I said earlier, you can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, there are certain, Correct. There's certain components of the defense that have to get better. That's yeah. not negotiable, but yeah. it's not getting better by firing coaches and switching schemes, you know, in Correct. week 15. So. Yeah. And there's a lot of people online that say, fire Ed Donatel, this is horrible. And let's just remove all emotion for that conversation. Let's explore that idea for a second. Okay. Um, I look at every decision with a pro and a con, right? If I'm going to go to the grocery store and get a Diet Coke, um, that means I can't be doing something else, right? Yes, I am right, choosing yeah. to do this. And whenever you say yes to this, you say no to something else. And okay. if let's say you do fire Ed Donatel, what then? You are on a a hopeful Super Bowl trajectory this year. There's yes. a lot of areas that we're not playing as prefer- perfect as I would prefer. But the point is, if you change out your defensive coordinator, I think you are immediately saying, all right, we give up on this season. I mean, I really do. Because yeah. there's no one else that could step in and do a better job. Like, Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I. so to that point, guys, it's, well, so now, like, the, the defensive coordinator has actual day-to-day duties, mm-hmm. like, on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, like, Ed Donatel doesn't show up to U.S. Bank Stadium at 11:30 on Sunday and like call <laughs> awful plays and shell coverage and never blitz. Like that's not Correct. what he does. Okay, no. so he's like doing things during the week that need to be done. So now, yep. Ed, so you've fired Ed Donatel. Mm-hmm. Now who's doing those things? Okay, mm-hmm. right? Sam Smith is doing them now. Well, what was Sam Smith doing? Because those things aren't getting done now. So Correct. like those things got to get done now. So who's doing mm-hmm. that? Oh, okay. Um, you know, ripple effect Abe, everywhere. Abe Lincoln's doing those now. Okay. Well, <laughs> like what was Abe Lincoln doing before? Because now no one's doing that. So now it's like, you know, it's yep. whack-a-mole. I mean, Correct. so now that that's not to say that no coach should ever be fired. Like there may come a point where that's a just move. We're just, yep. I think, suggesting that this isn't one of those situations. Yeah. Well, especially in season, like if you make the decision that you need to move on from him, even from a PR standpoint, that conversation could be had after the season. Uh, yeah. But don't fire him in season. Like when you are a 10 and three team, like you have one of the best records in the NFL and the three teams that you've lost to are good teams. Like they put up a lot of points and they're True. difficult, yeah. difficult, uh, difficult proponents. Uh, yeah. 
Like, that's not a, a just move at this point of the season, nor is that a fix that you think will get you right back on track. That is saying, all right, we've lost, so we might as well cut our losses. Right. Like, that sends the absolute wrong message to everyone involved. Yep. Agreed. All right. Um, I have emptied my notebook on Lions. Have you guys? Are we good? Okay. Yes. That was thankfully. a long discussion. <laughs> this is what happens on losses, man. I'm telling you, 15 years with the Vikings are, like... <laughs> After losses, there's just more stuff to like just dig into and talk about. After wins, people just want to watch highlights. You know, yeah. after losses, people want to talk about all the things. I yeah. think we just what talked about wrong? all the things. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Um, looking around the NFC, um, you know, what what do you guys see? Uh, uh, what I saw was not an awesome day for the Vikings. You know, because San Francisco won, Dallas won, Philly won, so not not great. Obviously, the team. Yeah underneath you in your own division beat you so they also won i don't think you're super worried about that but like other than tampa losing like everyone else basically won who you yep. were rooting against um so not not awesome uh but you're still in line for the two seed uh in the nfc which is um i think you had your eye on the one seed but yesterday was was tough there um that makes it tough absolutely yep because no matter who wins the nfc east you got to be a game better than them because they both beat you Dallas and Philly. Um, so, yep. you know, I look around the NFC and I think you're in the same position that you were. It's just more likely you're going to end up in that position and you had hopes for one position higher. And I think that took a big hit yesterday. Yep. And with the 49ers, as good as they are, I'm scared that there's a chance we lose the second seed, not because we are that bad, but because the 49, 49ers are that great. Brock played very, very well yeah. um, against Brock Purdy, the best quarterback yeah. of all time. Um, I mean, yeah. maybe that puts uh, uh, Brady into a position where he wants to leave the Bucks and come to the Vikings next year, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's a free agent next year, just saying. Yeah, um, but uh, but ultimately, I think the 49ers, uh, love him or hate him, they are on a trajectory, and seemingly they have not taken a huge step backward at quarterback based on that last game. Now, I know that the, the Buccaneers are hurt, and there's a lot of issues with them this year, but they, they trucked them. Uh, and yeah. I think the 49ers are definitely a force to be reckoned with, and there's a chance that they're coming for the number two seed. Yep. Okay, so let's look at the Niners, guys. They're at Seattle next week. Um, yeah. Not a gimme game. Definitely not. That's a toss-up game for sure. Brock Purdy looked good at home against a team that has been struggling. How is he going to do against a team that wants to win the division and yep. you're on the road? That yep. that's That's a fun game next week. Looks like uh, that's a Sunday night game because it says 7.15 start on 12.15. Thursday night, actually. Oh, that's Thursday night. Okay, so yeah, that's the, the Thursday night game. Thanks, yeah, Chase, sorry. for that. So that we're all, we all get to watch that. Awesome. Okay. And then it's Commanders, Raiders, Cardinals. So, yeah, Giles, this is a team. Um, You know what, though? Um, Your point is well taken on two accounts. One is the Niners are – are directly behind the Vikings <clears throat> um, at nine wins. The Seahawks are there at seven. They're two games back, but one of the Niners and Seahawks is going to win next week. So yep. <clears throat> after Thursday night, the Niners are either tied with you mm -hmm. or the Seahawks are one behind you. Okay. Yeah. With three games to go. So um, that that's, that's an owie loss yesterday for the Vikings when it comes to securing the two seed. Um, which is a problem because if you're the two seed, you can host two two games in the playoffs. If you're the three seed, you might be traveling. Um, yeah. 
in the second round. So Yep, which is definitely not a, a preferred setting for the Vikings. I mean, if you can't get home field advantage, you definitely want to go for it. And honestly, if uh, the Eagles do end up with a one seed and they play the Cowboys throughout the, the playoffs, there's a chance that the Cowboys could knock off the Eagles. And if you were to go the stretch, you could host all home games throughout the course yeah, of the playoffs. That's right, if you're the two seed. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be a game for us to watch. That'll be a fun one. <clears throat> Niners and Seahawks next week. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Needless to say, the Vikings need to get back on the winning track yep. next week. And uh, to do that, they'll have to beat the Indianapolis Colts, who are uh, a very pedestrian, if not worse, 4-8-1 and one this season. A point differential of minus 89. They've lost three straight games, 2-4-1 um, and four and one on the road. This weird situation with their head coach, best defensive players out, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor can ruin a game, I guess, if you're not careful, but I don't think you're scared of much else. I think you got to be really buttoned up. You got to mm-hmm. mind your P's and Q's and just be you. And if you do that, I think you'll beat the Colts, not like a game I'm super worried about for the Vikings. And I think if you power ranked the Vikings schedule the rest of the way, the Colts might be last or second last, I think. I would generally. Are you guys with so. me on this? Yeah, because okay. uh, if you look at the Bears or the Packers, although they don't necessarily have great records, they're still divisional games, and divisional games are different for every league. Uh, mm. It's just they're they're difficult. So I would I would absolutely say that this is the easiest game. But yeah. with that being said, every team is still getting paid two hundred million dollars to stop the other team. So it's yeah. definitely something you should come in prepared for. But I think. There's enough positive egos in the Vikings building to say, we are embarrassed by the Lions loss. We're going to go truck the Colts. Yeah, agreed. Um, I totally agree with you coming back home, you know, getting yeah. guys back who didn't play, getting healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep, being angry and mad, certainly mm-hmm. something, to, something to watch here. Um, and then after that, it's on Christmas Eve day uh, for the Vikings. It's the Giants. Uh, yeah. So two non-division games coming up for your Minnesota Vikings hosting the Colts and Giants in back-to-back weeks. And then they are on the road for two NFC North division games outside in the elements at Green Bay on New Year's Day. And then they close the season at the Chicago Bears. So a lot of football left to be played for the Minnesota Vikings. Lots of opportunity to bounce back here after a disappointing loss to the Detroit Lions, which drops them to 10 and three and puts them in the thick of a heated competitive race in the NFC playoff field for top seed and for the second seed with uh, with the Niners and Seahawks chasing them. So um, PFF grades not out, but they will be out soon and we will release those on our social media channels. So watch for that. Um, Chase is going to set me up for another top 10 list so I can get savaged by um, all my followers for not doing it right. Um, anything else that we should talk about here before we wrap guys? No, let's keep chasing that championship. All right. That sounds good. We, um, we thank you all for listening. Make sure you find the Wobcast 2.0 wherever you find all of your other podcasts, Google play, Spotify, Apple podcasts. We are also on YouTube. You can find me at Wobby on Twitter, the real at gmail.com. That's going to do it for episode 14 of the Wobcast 2.0. It was fun and it always is fun. We hope that you join us next time and we hope you watch the Vikings get back on the winning track next Sunday for Giles I'm for Giles and Chase I'm Wabi signing off for now Skull Vikings